inside American education. This is something that here at the Modern Academy, we're really passionate about. And this is actually a book we're going to be going over this week into next week by Thomas Sowell. And it's absolutely interesting. And, and really, the, the American education system is very corrupt in many ways. And that's kind of our goal here at uh, the Modern Academy. You know, the college system, look, just look at the cost of college versus the cost of distri- distributing information and education. The cost for distributing information has gone insanely down since, okay, let's look at like a 40-year time span. So let's look at the ni- in 1980, the cost for distributing information was very high compared to what it is today, whereas the cost for education is very low compared to what it is today. You know, the average college tuition is around $50,000 a year. And the first of all, people are graduating colleges not actually well-equipped for society, and it's, it's a huge issue. It's truly an epidemic and it's, it's a mind virus. And it, Thomas Sowell talks about, you know, in, in the first chapter of this book, decline, deception, and dogmas. And psychotherapeutic, quote unquote, education is something that he talks about. And this is what we'll go into. So he says, the phrase that I feel is often used by American students to introduce a con- conclusion rather than to say, quote unquote, I think or I know, much less I conclude, unfortunately, I feel, quote unquote, is often the most accurate term and is regarded as sufficient by many teachers. So just feeling some, that, that's, not, that's not really what education comes down to at the end of the day. That's, that's more like empathy and like social learning. Education is supposed to be, you know, logic. And you can mix in the humanities with feelings. But people say, you know, I feel, as Thomas Ellis says, and the net result, as in mathematics, is that many students are confident in competence. So whether discussing social issues, world events, or other subjects, the emphasis is on having the students express opinions on issues and on having those opinions taken seriously, enhancing self-esteem, enhancing the ego, regardless of whether there is anything left behind. So this is so important, you know. So many people, this is, it's just enhancing their ego, enhancing the self-esteem. And really, the way I see it, you know, a lot of degrees, especially if they're non-specialized, like if they're, if you're not trying to be a doctor, if you're just trying to get into business, or if you're just trying to like work for somebody else, it's really just an ego booster at this point. Like big, big companies you're starting to see in, in before this pandemic even, you know, stopped looking at resumes, or not resumes, stop looking at college degrees and took an objective view on things. The the degrees is just a subjective reality. You know, we talk about this objective, subjective, and intersubjective realities. So intersubjective realities are things like money. So that's something that, you know, go back 10,000 years, money wasn't a thing. Trade, commerce, that was how we bartered with each other. That's how we basically acquired scarce resources. Really, money is just scarce resources, in-demand scarce resources. And at the end of the day, these intersubjective realities, for example, college degrees, that's, a, that's an intersubjective reality. And, and when a person is hiring for a job, that would be subjective. So another example of subjective reality. So it's basically things where through your eyes, through your perception, you perceive it to be true. You perceive it to be fact. But if you took an objective view of things, so like a third person perspective that doesn't have, you know, kind of the social conditioning that we all have, just like a third party perspective um, you know, the objective things are nature, the seasons, um, the solar system, th- things like this that we cannot change. 
these these inner subjective realities become very convoluted when there's there's kind of this big group think on it and uh you know you get confirmation bias you know people telling you you need this college degree you need this you need that and as he says the emphasis is on having students express opinions on issues and having those opinions taken seriously enhancing self-esteem and the ego regardless of whether there's anything behind them so this is very important you know a lot of people just spout off opinions a lot of people act all passionate about something but they aren't truly they don't show it and and you know if you challenge them usually their ego is very fragile so when a reporter who spent months in los angeles high schools asked graduate student seniors what they had learned he received a reply from the classroom boy and described as the smartest students in class this is what he said i learned that the vietnam war north and south korea fought against each other and then there was a truth at the 38th parallel and that eisenhower had something to do with it and basically the, you know, they go on and keep asking the students questions. And uh, it's, it's interesting because basically what this reporter's observation was is that the students he saw, you know, knew very way in the little of organized thought process or even the basic way of solving intellectual problems. And this is something that's interesting, you know, school teaches us these, like, for example, those facts. So basically, it's memorizing facts, like kind of these arbitrary facts in history. And while history is very important to know, What's more important is laying the groundwork, learning, laying the framework of, you know, learning of memorization. So they don't really teach you properly how to memorize, how to learn, how to form logical arguments, how to use logical tools, how to use Occam's razor, the power of inversion. You know, for example, like they don't teach you the inner subjective, subjective and objective we just went over. And these are basically foundational frameworks you need to make logical conclusions to things. So solving intellectual problems. And while the reporter noted that the sincerity or in um, or intensity of the teachers, he nevertheless concluded a human being who has not been taught to think clearly is in danger, is a danger in free society. So you need to know how to think clearly. And this is something that we don't get taught in school. And it's, it's actually a huge issue. You know, really what this moves into is, um, you know, this uh, deception. So looking at money input and, and educational output over time makes the educational dis- establishment's claims of inadequate financing look over even more ridiculous. The period of declining test scores was always a period when expenditures on education were rising, rising not only in money terms, but also in real terms, allowing for inflation. Per pupil expenditures rose 27% in real terms during the decade of 1970s and a 29% in real terms during the decade of 1970s uh, and 80s. This was, a, this was after a huge, sorry, a huge 58% increase in real terms during the decade of the 1960s, which was the very decade when the long decline in performance began. Financial input was not lacking. Educational output was lacking and still is. And this has even grown exponentially now. You know, this book was written pre-2000s and this has even grown further now. You know, people learn less yet are paying more. So there's kind of this, this shift that's beginning to happen. And I really believe, you know, with, with this uh, online classes, you know, with people having to shift, having to adapt. And uh, obviously, like, there's no infrastructure in place to distribute that same knowledge that you're supposed to distribute directly from the teacher, you know, the course curriculum 
online. And this is really insane. You know, the cost for a teacher to go, okay, I have, you know, this year of, let's say, you know, you're assigned to a seventh grade classroom science or history. You know, you have to teach them all these different, basically, components. Why don't we distribute that online so the students can constantly access it? You know, let's say they miss something in class so they can access it. Like, really, we're just taking away from the students at that point. And the cost of doing that is so minimal compared to the cost of having everyone come in in person in times like these. They can't come in person like the school year was canceled for the rest of the year because of this pandemic. And it's very interesting, you know, if you're listening to this down the road, um, listening back on this rather down the road, you know, we're in this time of the COVID-19, the coronavirus, and, uh, you know, basically school was canceled for the second half. Basically spring break hit and then the rest of the year it was canceled. A lot of schools say they won't be able to go back in classrooms um, until like 2022, I think was some like elementary middle school said that, but absolutely insane. And just thinking about that, you know, the, not having the infrastructure for online learning, not having the infrastructure in place is, is just really a slap in the face to those people that are paying for school. Cause it's, you know, that's something that could easily be done and they just don't do it. And it, it's very interesting, you know, the way things have always been done. So an international look at per pupil expenditures likewise gives the lie to claims that more money produces better education. Despite claims that money is needed to hire more teachers to relieve quote-unquote overcrowded classrooms, the United States already has a smaller average class size than a number of countries whose educational achievements are higher. Japan, for example, averages 41 students per class, compared to 26 for the United States. In mathematics, where the performance gap is especially glaring, the average size in, in Japan is 43 compared to 20 in the U.S. within the United States. The ratio of pupils to teachers declined throughout the entire era from the 1960s to the 1980s, when test scores were also declining. So instead of comparing real expenditures per pupil in various countries, they compare percentage of annual national output devoted to education as a measure of national effort, quote-unquote. It is not national effort that is lacking. What is lacking is the educational system's ability to deliver results after it has been supplied ample resources. I could not agree more. And I apologize if I raise my voice and get passionate. You know, this is something that I'm very passionate about. I feel like I was kind of gypped as far as education. And I even went to private school. So it's interesting. You know, we a lot of this going on. So again, this is Inside American Education by Thomas Sowell. And this was a Decline, Deception, and Dogmas. So Thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a review and subscribe. And until next time.